Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode three of the VUCA podcast. Today, I have a very important guest with me, and I'm so excited to introduce her to you and just have a chat and learn more about what she does. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, I have Matsi with me. She is the founding CEO of Puraha Africa Holdings. She's on a mission to contribute to Africa's skills revolution and boost South African entrepreneurs. She sits on a number of boards and is the vice chairperson of Simodisa, non-executive director of Innovation Hub and chairperson of Kunanago. Matsi has formidable experience planted securely in the technology disruptions and innovation space. It comes as no surprise that she was named one of the top 30 African leaders in technology, business, art, science, politics, design, and media by Quartz Media Africa. She has numerous other awards to her name, including being chosen by the World Economic Forum as one of the top 50 global shapers to attend the annual Davos Conference. Matsi is an exceptional international speaker with a passion for entrepreneurship, leadership, and South African startups. Welcome, Matsi. How are you doing today? Thank you very much. I'm feeling good. It's bright and early. Hey. Right and early. I'm so honored to have you grace us with your time to just have a chat with you. And I'm going to dive right into it and have you just tell us a little bit about Puraha Solutions and the role you play within the EdTech space. Yeah, so Puraha Solutions is my baby. You know, um, I really love uh, my, my company. I really love what we're doing in South Africa. And in essence, at any point in time, a country needs to scale, upskill, and reskill its people. So mm-hmm. Puraha Solutions is a company with a focus on learning and development. and we provide end-to-end skills, um, training solutions for South African leadership companies. Yeah. Uh, we've been very fortunate to be able to work with the, you know, with the listed companies. Um, and we facilitate accredited learnerships, apprenticeships, um, short courses, and industry training. We yeah. also um, have, well, we develop learner management systems for, for our clients. Yeah. Um, and these are, in essence, integrated software systems um, that deliver learning and development um, to staff online. And yeah, it maps out employee uh, learning paths, track, tracks their learning progress, content customization, but then also is able to provide seamless um, analytics around how your staff within your company are performing. Yeah. You know what I love about how you just started speaking? You told me that Puraha is your baby. And to me, that's the biggest sign that you are an entrepreneur and this is something that your whole heart <laughs> is in and you're passionate about. And that leads me mm. to my second question, which is what sector is showing the highest adoption rate for online learning management systems and why? Mm. So is it the government, the private? What kind of info do you have from Puraha with regards to that question? Yeah, the reality is, you know, with COVID that happened and it's still currently happening, um, it had a way of separating us because nobody could be around each other, right? But it also had a way of bringing us together virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, so last year was actually quite a, quite a big year for us because as much as, you know, companies want to go digital, our clients want to go digital, yeah. we were forced to go virtual. 
um, virtual interactions with your staff, virtual interactions with your customers, uh, virtual ways of uh, doing your sales. So um, this then presented a great opportunity to get our customers to then say, let's go digital. And mm-hmm. how do you do that? You, you have an integrated learner management system. Um, and this is within the government and the private sector. I think uh, even within your own families. Uh, yeah. So in essence, I think it's, it's important to understand the value of how do we have um, a software or platforms that connect you in a way that is close to reality, in a way that, um, you know, as much as we don't have physical interactions, we're able to derive the pleasure of still engaging and creating content. And now we have an ability to, to be more creative than if it's you and I looking at each other. Now we can actually create a way in which we can interact creatively. Um, and then also just to track, your, track and map your, your, pro- your progress. So I think, um, you know, COVID did really present a great opportunity for these types of softwares to be um, adopted uh, rapidly by, by, by our clients or by our corporates in, in, in our country. Yeah. No, you are preaching to the choir because we started in the digital space two years before Corona. And we were having a really hard time with people just understanding what it is that we wanted to do by digitizing um, African brands and bringing African, you know, telling African brand stories online. And so Mm. I feel you 100% when you say that Corona has been that move, that push that we all needed to just bring us here and people to finally um, listen to the different types of solutions and actually just figure out what would work for them. Yeah. All right. And on to my next question. Let's talk about Africa. Which countries do you feel in Africa are leading within the ed tech space? Mm, I would say the top three, that being Kenya, you know, your, your home country, uh, Nigeria, my favorite country in Africa, and Lagos is my favorite city. And of course, South Africa. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, interesting um, developments, interesting technologies that are coming out of those countries because they're also quite um, developed ecosystems. So the technology ecosystems are quite mature or are maturing. So there's a lot of interesting technologies that are coming out. Um, a lot of international attention as well that's coming into, um, for example, I mean, if you about three, four years ago, we had Get Smarter, which uh, delivers online short courses that was brought up by um, a US company to you. Um, and you just bought out for like 1.4 billion. So clearly, uh, the world is now, we have the world's attention. Um, there's some interesting, uh, fin, uh, um, well, edutech uh, companies that are coming up in South Africa, like Sia Funda, the Student Hub, Funda um, um, Edus. And it just shows that people are aware that there is a digital migration and they're taking advantage of those opportunities. So I think if I had to think of Africa at large and then the top ecosystems, Kenya, Nigeria, and South Africa, but yep. that's where everybody is, is, is moving towards. Um, Technology is enabling. The minute you wake up, what's the first thing you do? You probably pray, right? So I, I, I do my prayers. I do my, um, I do my prayers. I do my meditations. But I use my, 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 my iPhone to, to kind of look at my favorite scriptures or my favorite prayers. So technology is an enabler. And, you know, we're lucky that now everything is progressing in terms of how do you um, deliver the educational content and um, utilizing and leveraging technology. Ah, I'm so honored to be here with you. It's so refreshing to speak to you and hear <laughs> that there's other people in the space 
thinking about what's happening in the continent, monitoring it, and especially, most especially, innovating within that space. And just, you know, I see you, Nigeria. I see you, Kenya. I see you, South Africa. How can we all work <laughs> together? Exactly, right? How can we all work yes. together to just bring out the best solutions for our people? And most importantly, like, just tell them that it's okay. Let's use these new technologies, right? So... How does the introduction of technology affect the existing educational curriculum? So do you feel like you need to update the curriculum to fit the technology? Or should we think about building the technology to fit the curriculum? It's a very interesting, smart question. Um, not an easy one to answer, but I think um, when I reflected on the question, I we certainly have to adjust our curriculum. You know, we have data curriculum that's not matching the skills that are required in our economies and to drive our economies to grow our economies. Mm -hmm. So I think that on its own is we certainly have to change our curriculum to adjust it to the skills shortage and the skills needs of, you know, the, 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 the future of our countries, uh, the future of our continents. So that's the one thing. And then technology needs to adopt towards bite sizes because we also have to be aware that everybody is living in bite sizes. Uh, we no longer have the time and the luxury of sitting and consuming um, content or educational content. So the manner in which your technology delivers this content has to be one that is aware that people don't have time. So that's why we have podcasts that are not going to be like an hour to an hour or, you know, classroom sessions that are like two hours long. Yeah. Um, so you have to find ways. And I think one of the technologies that we're using is gamification. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things where you feel like as an old person, how am I going to learn using games? How am I going to learn something that is of a serious nature using games? But that's where um, the sciences of, 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 of learning has, has illustrated that people's ability to, um, to get information, to consume information, has to be done in a manner in which it's easier for them to, 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 to remember it mm -hmm. um, and absorb it. So um, gamification, has, um, which is some of the uh, features of our learner management systems, um, you see all these big executives having to now like, go through a game, but yeah. that's, you know, it's very captivating, yeah. it's easy, it's bite sizes, and it's easy for them to absorb that, that information. So I think um, you know, it's an interesting question, but as much as we need to adjust the curriculum because currently it's not as relevant as it should be given the skills that require. Yeah. Um, the technology also has to adjust to how people are consuming information these days. Exactly. Exactly. And we just have to be creative in, in thinking about the end user. What's their experience? What's their attention span? How long, you know, how long do they have in a day? How busy are they? Because I don't think learning ever stops. And I think that's the beauty of technology and the space that you're playing in to just continuously mm. get us to keep learning, but in cool and interesting new ways so that, you know, we're leveraging off of tech in a real, real productive way. All right. Mm. That leads me to my last and final question, which I'm mm. sure the audience will appreciate a lot. What are the opportunities in the ed tech spaces for Africans? What opportunities lay ahead? Just like a quick run through of one or two that would be beneficial mm -hmm. to them as we close out today. Mm. I think um, the opportunities are as Africans, we need to start creating our own platforms because the, the model is a lot of 
people would go to the east or the west, right, to, to either get um, affordable labor or affordable developers. Yeah. So we need to start having a critical mass of our own highly skilled developers that are not going to be too expensive. And it's easy for people like us who are building businesses to utilize them in our, in our value chains. Um, so I think the, the opportunity is how do we upskill more Africans to be able to create these platforms instead of us now having to go to the Philippines or, you know, various other like yeah. India yeah, and, um, yeah. and, and have a licensing model, um, you know, business model, which is not ideal because in the long run, uh, we need to enable ourselves. We need to have African skills for African technology. So I think that is certainly the biggest opportunity right now. Because you also make an example of why would people rather import Chinese products versus um, buying from South African um, you know, manufacturers? It's that it's expensive with South African manufacturers. And um, the Chinese have been able to produce at scale. It becomes very inexpensive for them to give us a lot of things um, quickly and cheaper. So we also need to start being able to have that critical mass of the ability to to. To, 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 you know, to develop and to produce and to manufacture because yeah. we are Africans after all. I mean, we Africans after all, we're the smartest, uh, you know, continent on the planet. We are the youngest continent on the, we're just so abundant. So we really, really need to start focusing on what is critical for what Africa needs so that we don't have to go outsource it somewhere else. Oh, I am so fulfilled by what you're saying because it's true. We need to start. I think a lot of what you're talking about goes into mindset change. So mm. as opposed to like the handover, give me, do for me, or can we go to someone else who's doing it? Let's just start thinking of how can we use the resources that are already available to us here? How can we upskill, as you're saying, our digital skills so that we can start creating? And when we create for our own, they're super customized to actually meet the needs based on our infrastructure, based on our language, you know, based on our data, Wi-Fi availabilities. So I really, really do agree with you and appreciate those words that you've said to us where people just need to start thinking outside of the box and be mm. self-efficient. Mm -hmm. Oh, Matsi, thank you. Thank you so much. We've come to the end. I'll give you this minute to close out and let us know about anything that you want to give light to, any parting shots, and we will be done for today. The next EMUG comes out on April 6th, and on there you will find the interview with Matsi, and the theme there that we're exploring is EdTech Spaces. So those will be different stories of people doing different things from the continent. So look out for that. Matsi, you have the last word. Oh, no. Hello? Hey, <laughs> back. I cannot believe it. It actually exited out of the <laughs> But no, it's fine. We're actually wrapping up. So I'm just going to go through yeah. the last thing again and we'll edit. 
So thank you. Thank you okay. so much for your time. The next email comes up on April 6th. It will be published on April 6th. So look out for that where our interview will be on there. A link to the YouTube will be on there. So Matsi, you have the last word. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. It was an, an enlightening interview. Um, an honor to be invited uh, by your publication. And as cliched as it might sound, um, you know, my parting shots is Africa, your time is now. Um, and one of the things I always reflect on is everybody seems to have a plan for Africa, right? But it's time that Africa has a plan for itself and everybody else. So really, really, um, our generation is very fortunate um, that we have the opportunity to really start integrating ourselves as a continent, start, uh, you know, engaging and leveraging the strengths of each other as a continent. So exciting times and watch out world africa is on its way or it's actually arrived africa your time is now that's it that's it from us thank you so much goodbye <laughs> cheers